0: Well, good to be together. It's always an encouragement, even if it's a little different than normal. Um, I do want to let you know some of the things that are happening. So you're like going, what's, you know, we're th- this is a time we can be, we're kind of disconnected. Um, and so we, we need to figure out, so what is happening anyway? So let me just bring you up to date on some things that are going on. Uh, number one, um, you know, baptism's still happening um there was a we had a jacuzzi baptism about uh i don't know 6 weeks ago or so. Uh, a couple of people got baptized and then this Wednesday someone else is supposed to get baptized in a swimming pool down at Roner Park. So we're continuing on with that, you know, affirming people in their faith, calling them out to to a public declaration of their faith in Christ. Um Also, what's going on, we're we're still moving ahead in Mindanao. We were not able to go on our missions trip like we were supposed to this month. But the money's been sent, and the building is being built for a preschool slash church that's going to be sharing the gospel, yeah, amen, with people that worship rocks. So we're going to introduce the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ, to the people who worship rocks. In a part of the world that really nobody else in the world is ministering to right now. Just us. And so um, the money that you've given, your generosity is being, give, is, is being used to proclaim Christ in a, in a dark part of the world. And that's happening. Also, small groups continue. If you need connection, it's there. We've got uh, Sunday morning, there's a the discipleship group. Sunday evening, we have a prayer group that actually meets face-to-face right here in the sanctuary. Monday night, there's a small group going on. Tuesday night, there's a small group going on. There's one Wednesday morning. There's one Wednesday night. A Zoom Bible study on that night. There's a Thursday night uh, group going on. So the groups are going on. People are connected. If you have any interest in any one of those, you have questions about them, you can talk to me or write it down on a piece of paper. Give us your information, and we'll get you involved in that. Um, Also, August 3rd, we're going to have a new daycare starting. Um, it's from zero to two years old. It's called Rise and Shine. We've had our whole nursery remodeled over these past months. And so they're, they're supposed to start up. Our own preschool happy time has begun. And we're getting up to around, I don't know, pretty soon, 18, 19 kids are coming back. They're, they're matriculating back. And there's been no illness, no problems so far. So we're, we're grateful for that. And then also, uh, we want you to know that we are moving ahead with doing live stream services. Uh, The board just approved the money, and we're going to start recording and broadcasting our service on Sunday morning. So we just have to get it all set up. That should be within the next two, three, four weeks. So I know some people are asking about that because we haven't been on Facebook Live since we came back into the building. We've had technical difficulties. so. I just want you to, to know about that, okay? So that's, those are some, some of the things that are going on, all right? And uh, I hope that encourages you. Well, I want to get to the word. Um, there was a uh, rich businessman. He's walking by beach one day. He sees a fisherman sitting out by his boat doing nothing. He walks up to him and says, what are you doing? The fisherman said, um, oh, I'm done fishing for the day. Uh, and the rich guy said, well, why aren't you out there fishing some more? And the fisherman said, well, I, I got enough for today. And, the, and the, the rich entrepreneur said, well, why don't you go out and catch some more fish so that you have, you know, so he, so he says, so you'd be richer. And the guy said, well, "Why?" he says, why do I need to catch the fish? And he said, yeah, you could be richer. Then you can, you can get a bigger boat. Then you go in deeper water. And then you can catch more fish. And then you get, get make more money. And then you can invest in these nice nylon nets. And you can buy a fleet of boats. You can catch a whole lot of fish, and then you can be really wealthy, like me. And the fisherman said, well, well what, what would I do then? And the fisherman said, I mean, the, the rich guy said, well, you could sit down and relax. And the fisherman said, well, what do you think I'm doing right now? I, uh, just a question about satisfaction, contentment. Let me ask you, um, are you satisfied? Are you content? Or Do you come more from a position, it's never enough. I don't, I never have enough money. I never have enough time. I never have enough emotional support. I'm just kind of getting gypped. Uh, You know, I tend to whine. I tend to complain and grumble a lot. You know, where are you on the contentment continuum? Let me, I'm going to read some questions here for you to answer to yourself to help you understand yourself, diagnose yourself where you are. Question number one, I regularly wish I had a different job and I possess a bad attitude when I'm at work. Number two, I am consistently disappointed in my relationships, whether they're with my parents, my spouse, my friends, my kids, my coworkers. People do not meet my emotional needs. I'm pretty resentful about that. Another question, I deal with disappointment and discontent in my life by watching a lot of TV, going shopping more than is healthy, viewing pornography on the internet, or drinking alcohol and doing drugs. Number four, I'm losing a sense of hope about my life and I'm becoming more cynical as I grow older. And number five, I get really ticked off at the good things and circumstances people around me seem to have and enjoy where are you in that contentment it's a wonderful thing what is contentment basically it's being happy on the inside regardless of what's going on on the outside that your sense of satisfaction and joy and gladness are not dependent on your external circumstances now, contentment's a great thing. You might wonder, well, is it possible? And if it's possible, how do you go about finding contentment? And so we want to look again to the great apostle, the apostle Paul. Um, Paul um, has taught us about anxiety, he's taught us about a healthy mentality, and he's doing this all from prison, remember? So don't forget the setting where he's writing these things and he's teaching these things. He's not in a good place. He's got chains around his ankle, he he's, doesn't have freedom. He's not probably eating very good food. It's probably stinks and it's stuffy. And he's teaching us these things that wouldn't it be wonderful to have these, to, not, to, be, to live a non-anxious life and to have a, a great mindset in dealing with life. Now he's talking to us about contentment. Now, um, uh, so Paul, he, he's, he's getting to the end of this letter in Philippians, okay, chapter 4. And he, 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 he tells the Philippians, he's kind of dealing with some personal matters. He says, "I am so, well, let me read it to you. Philippians 4, and I'm going to start in verse 10. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned this, the, to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. Okay, so he, he's saying, you know, I rejoiced about this gift that you gave me. But the thing that's, and then he says, he says, you gave to me early on. When he first went to Philippi, there's the story of how this church got started. He went down to the river to pray. He meets a woman named Lydia. She's a businesswoman, a seller of purple. She's probably got money. And he starts to share the gospel with her. She accepts Christ. And then they start a church in her house. And then after he leaves Philippi, he doesn't stay there very long. He goes on to the next city, Thessalonica. He runs into some rough times in Thessalonica. And he, the Philippi, Philippians send him money. But then they aren't able to send him money for a while, and then they are able to send him money again. So this door opens for them to be generous towards him again, and he's thanking them for that gift. But the thing that's interesting is that he's rejoicing about that gift, not because it met his need. He's rejoicing about that gift because he says in verse 14, he says, it was good of you to share in my troubles. So it's like, I'm glad that you got sh- we got to partner together in this. And then he goes on to verse 17. He says, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. So Paul is saying, I'm also really glad that the gifts that you gave are going to be credited to your account. I believe in eternity. Now, remember, Paul was able to see into eternity unlike any of us have. I mean, he had a vision of the third heaven. The first heaven is the sky. The second heaven is outer space. The third heaven is heaven, heaven, where God dwells. And this vision that Paul had of heaven where God dwells was so profound that God actually sent him a thorn in his flesh to keep him humble. Because it was so magnificent and splendid when he actually saw heaven. So when Paul talks about eternity and the future, it's like he saw it. And he could see into the future for the Philippians saying, your gifts to me are going to be extend for you on into eternity. And I am so excited and so glad for what's going to happen in your life. And that's why I'm rejoicing. But then he says, well, ask for me. He says, I'm good. He says, "My my sense of satisfaction and joy is not dependent on my needs being met. He says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. So if I'm deprived of food and clothes and comfort, he said, I'm happy. I'm okay. And if I'm in a place of prosperity where everything's going great, I'm having, a be- I'm having some really good meals with Lydia, this rich woman in Philippi. And I'm rubbing shoulders with the movers and shakers like Erastus. He was the director of public works in the city. So he knew a, a political leader. Paul said, you know, I, I, I've I been in those places, and I'm good there too. He says, it really doesn't matter if I don't have much or if I have a lot, I'm good. If my stomach's growling, I'm still satisfied. If my stomach's full, I'm satisfied. He said, if, I'm, if, if, uh, if you throw Paul in prison, he said, I'm okay. You pick me up out of the Mediterranean Sea after floating on a, a you know, driftwood for a night, and he did, he did spend time on, you l- l- read Second Corinthians chapter 11, and he spent time on the sea, just floating in the ocean. You pick him up, he says, I- I'm going to make it. You know, even, he was beaten five times with 39 lashes, 39. You know, I remember, I remember when I was uh, turning 14, and uh, we had a tradition in our family that you get spanked for every year that you were. And uh, so the older you got, the more spanks you got on your birthday. And I was 14 years old. And I'm going, this could hurt. And we were with some family. And so uh, I I put on four pairs of underwear just to soften the blow. (laughs) I'm thinking, wow, here's a guy getting beaten with a whip. 39 times. It happened five times. Then he got beat with rods three times with a rod. Again, read Second Corinthians chapter 12. I think it's 12. He got rocks thrown at him until they thought he was dead. And he said, you do that to me, I'll endure. He said, I'm in trouble sometimes from flash floods and rivers, and I'm in trouble sometimes from thieves trying to rip me off. He says, you can't steal my joy. He's like, how, do, how does a man live like that? Because what was going on inside of Paul was more important than what was going on around Paul. And what was inside of Paul was constant. And it was constantly good. So that no matter what was circling around him, it was always good. He was always satisfied. He was There was always joy in his life. So the secret to this, to the life, and it's a, it's a secret that so many people don't know. In fact, he said here... I've learned, in verse 12, the secret of being content. It's something that's hidden from people. It's actually a mystery. He says it again in, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Let me tell you, there's a mystery. There's something that's been hidden from people, and that for many people, before Christ, this was not even available, but it's available today. And it's the, the secret is this, to contentment, to happiness, to satisfaction. Christ in you the hope of glory. He says that multiple times. It's like, to me, I would say it's my favorite preposition in the Bible. In. It's the location. In. Where is Christ? Where is the Spirit? Where is God? Paul says it multiple times. In. In the believer. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ will strengthen you with power, through His Spirit, in Your inner being. That's Ephesians 3.16. Ephesians 3.20. God can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Philippians 2.13. It's God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. And Romans 8.11. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. You're hearing that over and over. That's what he's talking about. And he says it here in Philippians 4.13. I can do all this or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So the secret to this contentment, to this happiness, to this gladness, to this joy, no matter the noise around us, is living, abiding in the presence of Christ. He'll give you strength. He'll give you resilience. He'll fill up the, the areas, pockets of your heart that are unsatisfied God will do that. The peace, the hope, the power, regardless of those external conditions. So here's the deal to live a truly content life, no matter what is going on around us, we need to learn how to abide in the presence of God. I, I believe the Apostle Paul's the greatest Christian who ever lived, the greatest man who ever lived was Jesus, the Son of God, who was perfect. But the greatest Christian, I believe, was the Apostle Paul. And, and I've heard theologians say this, and I believe it. Why was Paul such a great, godly man? And it's because of he was in Christ. He was in Christ, and that was everything. So, how do you do that? Now, Paul gives us the what. We need to be in Christ. But... He doesn't, the, 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 the apostle that gives us the how, the anatomy of that, is John. Paul gives us the what in Christ. John, who wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation, John wrote five books, five letters in the Bible. And he's the guy, they say, that knew Jesus better than anybody. And he gives us insight into this. These are some of my favorite verses um, for understanding my own spiritual life, how to thrive in Christ. John 14, verse 15, and then verse 23, they basically say the same thing. These are really key verses. I would encourage you to know these. If you love me, Jesus said, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. If you love me, keep my commands, and I'll give you the spirit who will be with you forever. Going down to verse 23, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love him, and we will come to them and make our home with them. There it is again. Love, obey, and the abiding presence. This time of the father and the son. We have... Father, Son, and Holy Spirit living with us as we love him and obey him. Now, so here's a, here's a little question. Okay, so we know, we know where the obedience comes from. The obedience comes from the love. And we know where the abiding presence comes from. The abiding presence comes from the obedience. Love, obedience, the presence. My question is, where does the love come from? Let me read this. Again, John is our guide. First John chapter 4, one of his little letters. First John chapter 4, verse 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So, first thing. Be born of God and know God. God initiates the new birth and then the true agape love in our hearts. It says in 1 John, for this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And again, it says we can only love because he lo- first loved us. That's chapter 4, verse 19. So we have to be born of God in order to love like God. So think about think about birth. You know, babies don't choose to be born, right? Mom and dad normally make that decision. So, little baby is conceived in mother's womb, little baby begins to grow inside the mother's womb, then it gets too tight in there. The baby doesn't fit in there anymore. It wasn't designed to live inside the womb. It was designed to live outside the womb, but it's got to, to be be ready to get outside the womb. It's got to be in the womb first. And so it's growing, then the day comes when it's like the water breaks, the contractions intensify, and little baby makes a short journey from the world of the womb to the outside world. The birthing process in a nutshell. Well, think about the spiritual birth. We don't make that decision because we don't have the materials to be born. God the Father makes the decision, you need to be born again. You need to be born of the Spirit. What has he given us to be born again? He's given us the Son and the Spirit. He's given us the Son, Jesus, to wash and cleanse us and to make us clean, to change us. He's given us the Holy Spirit to come inside of us to make us new on the inside, to change our affections, to change the way we understand things, to alter our will. To get inside us and heal us, every nook and cranny of the human soul, the spirit can do this. Now listen, you know, some of us say, man, I wish, I wish I could have lived during the times when Jesus was here on earth in the flesh. I wish I could have seen him do all those miracles and actually heard his voice and listened to him teach. That would have been so great. But you know, we actually have an advantage today because we have the spirit. Because here's the deal. Jesus in his body could not get inside of your body. He could not get inside of you to alter your mind and your heart. So what did he do? He sent his spirit because his spirit can get inside of you. And his spirit, once he's inside of you, can change you. He can change me. Spirit can penetrate matter. So there had to be the spirit of God if we're going to live with God inside of us because flesh can't do that. And so God as he's birthing us, he gives us the material, you know, in a baby's birth you have the sperm and the egg. In the spiritual birth you have the son and the spirit. And then he makes life in the womb of this world uncomfortable. He starts to convict us something's wrong. Something's wrong in my life. Something's wrong with this world. I need a change. And then things begin to un- un- unravel and unfold, and God begins, you know, we, begin, we just need to cooperate. You know, it begins to convict us, and, and the pressure starts to go, and, and the conditions start pushing us into another world. And this new world, it's new, and it's bright, and it's different, and it's better. It may be a little scary because we haven't been there before. We're not sure about this father that we're about to have. But we need to take, we need to go. The old world will eventually suffocate us. It'll kill us. Did you know that? If we stay just in our bodies physically, in the old world, we die spiritually. We're forever separated from God. That's a horrible place to be. We need to accept just the new birth. We need to go with it. We need to trust because that's where the life is. Just like a baby, if it stays in the womb, it's going to die. That's not cute. It's cute if they're there for nine months. It's not cute if they're there for 12 months or, or 24 months. That's a tragedy. And it's a tragedy for a human being to never be born again because we were made for that. We were never made to be separated from God. And so to accept that new birth, to step into it. So let it happen. Trust Christ. Let him bring you into his kingdom where you will find agape love. Because once you are born again, it says, those who are born of God, chapter 4, verse 7, everyone who loves has been born of God. That's where the love comes from. So the second thing is, is to love God. Since you've been born of God, now you can love God. You see him for who he really is. You see God is good, that God is kind, that God is so patient, that God wants nothing but your best That God is so smart. Have you ever thought God knows everything about you? He knows every answer to every problem. He knows how to fix everything that's off in your heart. That he knows how he he can guide you in navigating all of your relationships, how you should respond in those relationships. He knows everything about your finances and your personal health. God knows everything from the past that needs to be dealt with. God knows everything that you're supposed to do today to prepare you for tomorrow. He's brilliant. I mean, that, don't take that for granted. I mean, sometimes we, we think Jesus isn't too smart. It's like, are you kidding? He's the smartest being on the earth. I mean, he makes Albert Einstein look like a kindergartner. He is absolutely brilliant. And when you come to know God, you begin to see that and understand it. And the fact that he is the power to pull off everything that he says he can do. He can do it. He's the almighty God. He's El Shaddai. And when you get to know him, you understand that. And, you, and then you love him. It's like, wow, he's amazing. You know, people, so many people don't believe that about God. Why don't they believe that? Because they haven't been born of God. They don't know him. I, I saw a YouTube video. And it was, uh, uh, it was uh, one of those guys, I don't know, it was Robbie Zacharias or um, was it another uh, guy that guy argues, argues for, the, for the existence of God. And uh, this college student asks, is it possible that God could be evil? Well, you know what I can say about that college student? You don't know God. You have pro- not been born of God. Because if you've been born of God, you would know God, and you would know God is not evil. God is holy. God is pure. The, the being that's evil is Satan himself, you know. I mean, so there's, there's people walking around. There's young people, college students, young adults, older people who form their opinion about God. And they, 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 they form this opinion because they've never been born of him, and they don't know him. Because they don't know him, they can't love him. Because they don't love him, they can't obey him. Because they don't obey him, they can't abide in him. Because they can't abide in him, they can't be content. And so they whine and they grumble and they're cynical and all that stuff. Why? Because they haven't been born of God to know his love and his obedience and his presence. You didn't know how big this is? People wondering, why, what's wrong? I'll tell you what's wrong. You need to get born again. And then you need to start walking in these steps and your life will change. Your internal world will change. So once you start to love him and your affection for him, then you obey him. And you can obey him because you know he's good. And that everything he wants to do in your life is good. And even when he asks you to do the hard things, you go, I trust him because I know his nature. His bent is blessing, 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 blessing. Israel, listen to me. Please, if you do what I say, I'll bless you when you go in and when you come out. I'll bless everything your hands touch. I'll bless your crops. I'll bless your family. From generation to generation, I'll bless you. That's the heart of God. That's what he wants to do in our lives. Why? Because he's good. It's his nature. He can't do anything else. His nature is not to destroy and kill and bring destruction on our lives. And so we walk in obedience. It could be things like, uh, well, you do a mission. You know, we're doing, uh, we're trying to get going with Brook Hill School. We're going to be doing a, a book drive pretty soon. So kids from that school who don't have many books can have books to read at home. So that's coming. Pay attention. There's there's there, there's missions like going to the, you know, volunteering at a hospital, um, doing the thing with Minden now, maybe doing something in your own neighborhood. Uh, Obeying God can be responding to people. You know, that's where the Lord deals with me a lot. You know, um, I, need a, I need to change the way I, I relate to people. I need to improve and grow. I can change this or change that. You know, uh, an obedient thing that you can do with God is simply read the book, read the Bible, and just do what it says in black and white. You know, uh, Romans 12 says, do not take Do not take vengeance. Um, actually, let's see, get it more clearly. Do not take revenge. Don't take revenge. If somebody hurts you, don't strike back. So how can you obey God? Just don't take revenge. Somebody hurts you, you bless them, you pray for them, you love them. Can you do that? You can in the grace of God, in the spirit of God, you can do that. I've done that and actually had my whole attitude towards people that I perceived as enemies change. And then I saw them change. It's, it's a wonderful thing. God knows what he's talking about. No kidding. He really knows what he's talking about. So we obey. And there's, by the way, there's no shortage of material. You'll never run out of things to do in obeying God. It's just there all the time, every day, things that you can do. Now, and the last thing is God will remain in you. He'll come. He said, my spirit will come and be your counselor I and the Father will come and make our home with you. That's like, he's not going to be a hotel guest. This isn't Airbnb. Your body is not to be an Airbnb. Your body is to be a, a, a residence, a home where he comes and he stays permanently. The one who keeps my commands lives in him and he in them. You know, God initiates the first step. Watch this. He initiates the being born of God, provides the material. He calls us out of the world of the womb where life is not good, where it's dark. And then he completes number four. He does all of that. He comes. We don't have anything to do with that. We don't conjure that up. Our thing is cooperate with being born again by trusting Jesus and then love him and obey him. And then step number four, that's all up to God. And you just let it happen, living in his presence like that. You know, think what that can mean to be uh and, and when you're when then when you've done that, you're just a happy person. You're glad. Think what that can mean for somebody who's on welfare. If they abided in Christ what if they never got off of welfare? They could still be content, they could still be satisfied. What, that, what would that mean for a, a high school or college student who's, who's anxious all the time? You know what? I don't know what's going to happen in the future. But right now, I'm like that fisherman on the seashore. I got enough for today. And I'm good. I'm going to enjoy today. And I'm going to trust God for tomorrow. Think what it can mean for um, the person who's single and lonely to say I'm content. I mean, it'd be nice for, to find somebody and marry them, but if it doesn't happen, you know what? There's another presence in my life. God's always promising that. We've read that. He's a, he's a father to the fatherless. He's a husband to widows. He steps into the gaps and the arid places of our lives to be our friend. It's real. What would it mean for the woman who's chronically ill God being with her. Or the man who feels insignificant. He's not accomplished what he thought in his career. To be satisfied, to be content, to abide in the presence. Or for the forgotten grandma. For the woman or the man in a care home. Nobody visits them anymore. But they're, they're abiding in Christ. And they're not alone. And they sense the presence. It's a profound thing. And I, I really believe it's absolutely real. The, the problem is so many people, even believers, don't experience it. We don't understand it. We've taken our faith to a simple belief and faith, and we stop there. And we haven't realized, listen, once you're born again, you need to be loving him, and you need to be following him. You need to be obeying him. You need to be doing what he said. And as you do that, his presence comes and abides you. And it just feeds itself. The more that you experience his presence, the more that you want to love him, the more you want to do what he says. And then the more that you're, you're in, in, enjoying um, his presence, his spirit. And so, you know, I want to pray this morning. And I'm just wondering, you know, where are you on that continuum? i um, Are you at that place where you you need to say, I need to be born again. I need to just accept the son and his spirit and let him make me a new person. I need to step out of the womb of the world into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. I I need to just do it. I need to do it. Or maybe you're in that place where I need to love him more, the place of, you know what, there's an area of obedience I need to work on. You know. I mean, I'm really, I'm really working on right now this whole thing with sports, I, I, this whole uh, COVID-19 thing. I'll tell you one thing good that's come out of it, as I mentioned last week, is, you know, there are no sports. And I've been so into sports since I was six years old. I started rooting for the Los Angeles Rams when I was six years old. I mean, this goes way back. It's what I talked about when I went to school on Monday morning, the game on Sunday. Now there's no sport. There's no game. It's like some of us have been wondering, oh, I wonder how am I going to do. I'm going to go through withdrawals. You know, what's going to happen? I don't have this anymore. And, and the wonderful thing is, it's like I've hardly noticed. It's like i got more time. And I, I'm, I'm feeling better. It's like, God, are you doing a new thing, you know, a new relationship to, to sports for me, and just a change in my life? Gonna, I'm kind of excited about it. So what is it? Is it is it being born? Is it is it walking? Be, is there something? And so what I want us to do is we just stand. I want to pray for you and, uh, you know, this is the challenge towards contentment. Um, if there's something that you want God to do in your life in one of these areas, especially of being born or of obedience, I just invite you to raise your hands as we're praying, okay? So let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. And if you want me to pray for you in one of those areas just do that right now raise your hand so father we thank you for this wonderful gift this mystery this secret that was hidden from the ancients they did not know what we heard this morning they did not have available the messiah the christ the son of god they did not have the holy spirit being poured out on the earth like we do we have what an amazing opportunity to live at a level of satisfaction that is supernatural and that's available only in relationship with you. And so, God, we pray that you'd help us to go after this, to pursue this. Lord, I pray for anyone who's looking for this area of uh, new birth, that they would just submit and receive you, Jesus. Just ask him to cleanse you and to wash you. Ask him to come in and make you new in your heart. To live inside of your life and to to lead you. And to help you to know him so that you can love him, so that you can walk with him. so, So that you can experience his presence and know a joy that is available in no other way. God, you see our hands up in this area of obedience, Lord. I pray that you'd help us to do the thing that we believe we need to do. God, help us to trust your goodness in it. It may be a difficult thing, very uncomfortable, very hard for us. But God, help us to trust your nature, that you know what you're doing. And the outcome is going to be very good. I pray for everyone. who needs to take a step in obedience, that you would give them the strength to do it, the grace to do it, the power to do it. You give them the words to say, the time to do it, whatever it is. Be with them, Lord. And as we walk in this, Father, help us to experience the abiding presence of Christ in his spirit. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead will be alive in our mortal bodies. God, help us have a testimony and help us to come to a place of contentment and satisfaction that we can't even explain. It's so good. Let your peace wash over us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you. Go in peace. Amen.